This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of meaningful sport. Welcome back to the second part of our conversation with Jen Benson on understanding the journeys of novice runners as they begin running and develop running identities. In the first part of our conversation, we explored Jen's own journey uh, into her PhD, including the story in the recent book uh, she published titled The Wild Year. So I really recommend listening to the first part before this one. And so now we will be moving on and we'll explore the life worlds of novice runners, the joys and challenges of doing netnography or online research. And we will discuss how phenomenology in particular has been a useful perspective for answering Jen's research questions. And as I mentioned, my guest today is Jen Benson. She's a writer and author of several guidebooks, in addition to The Wild Year that I mentioned earlier. And these guidebooks are on adventures, running, and walking. And Jen is also a part-time PhD student currently at Liverpool John Moores University. Welcome back to the podcast, Jen. I'm looking forward to this second part of our conversation. Thanks, Nora. Looking forward to it. And so we discussed your journey and... um, maybe not the most linear (laughs) entry into doing a PhD and and all the different uh, bumps and different crossroads you had had in your life. And at the moment, you are then doing your PhD as a part-time while doing some other things at the same time as well. So maybe we'll just start out with how have you organized this part-time PhD and how does it work out uh, for you so far? Yeah, thanks, Nora. Um, I think it was it's something I, I kind of wanted to talk about doing doing a PhD part time, balancing that with working as a writer and being a mum. Um, I homeschool my two children, so it's quite busy busy life at home, and it's very different from I think my previous experience of being a full time PhD student where I was funded and it was kind of my job, and then I had um, a child aside from that, so I had this constant sort of guilt of I should be. I wasn't being a good enough mother and I wasn't being a good good enough PhD student. So it was I think I had this this constant conflict of of trying to do as well as I could in both of them and, and always ne- never quite <laughs> um doing as well as I wanted to. And I think now doing it part time and self funded is it's just such a different experience and it's something I want to do and it's something I'm really excited about doing. Um and I think I split my time between um you know, homeschooling children and spending time with my husband as well um, and training but also um, working as a writer and and doing the part-time PhD and it's busy it's probably busier than it was before but it's all balanced and it's all 
it all feeds into each other as well. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, I think that was that was something I wanted to kind of start off with in the second half was that that experience of doing all these things and and how they all fit together, um, and and yeah, doing a, a PhD because I want to and because it's like it's almost my in a way my escape time as as well as something I want to do longer term. So, so yeah, quite quite a different experience now. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really sounds like you still have loads of things on your plate, so multiple identities and multiple projects to manage and and so forth. And so now, having worked on the PhD a bit more than a year at the moment, right? Yeah, about a year and a half in, I think. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel in terms of kind of your progress and, and where you got so far? Yeah, I'm really pleased, I think. I think um, I was expecting not to be... At this stage, I think at this point, I think I was expecting to take a good year just to work out where where I wanted to start. And I think actually because of having that the extra time, the, the slight reduction in pressure compared to doing it full time, and also having a really amazingly supportive supervisory team, yourself included, I've kind of been encouraged and supported into going down all the various rabbit holes I wanted to go down and, and that kind of thing. And and um Yeah, so I've I've really been able to take it in the direction I've wanted to, um, and I started off knowing that I wanted to look at at new runners, um, but not knowing exactly the angle I wanted to take on that. So I started off looking at self-efficacy and and how we could improve self-efficacy for running in in new runners, um, and yeah, so that was that was quite interesting. But I didn't feel it quite it didn't quite get to exactly where I wanted to to get to with with the reasons why new runners are running and why they give up and things um and then so we were looking at stories as as a means of inspiring new runners and helping them learn what it was to be a runner um and as part of that i, I was looking at online uh, forums aimed at beginner runners and i realized that actually rather than trying to show new runners stories that already existed like films and, and books and things actually the stories that were emerging being told by these new runners were really exciting and um so yes that's why I, I think I decided at this point I think I've got I've got um to the point where I know I want to to look at new runners um and I know I want to look at online forums as a as a means of understanding their stories so I think that was further than I was expecting to have got within mm-hmm. the first year or so and also Um, starting to look at, at methodologies and and I know I want to use um, online ethnography and phenomenology and and bringing those two things together so yeah I really feel like I'm and I've just started data collection and so it's a really exciting point now um, I think being part-time and having that support has been really just kind of an amazing journey to get from from not really knowing where I was to this point I think yeah and I think Yeah, it's been really great to follow your progress and that you've also done like some really good reading and had the possibility to explore and, and spend some time with that reading as well. I think often the one of the challenges with the full-time PhD is also that you have three or four years and you kind of want to get something published fairly soon and you need to have your research conceptualized and the data collection going and it's kind of in a hurry whereas really reading properly and getting to wrestle a little bit with challenging concepts which you find plenty in phenomenology this is really kind of the 
important part that I think is important to take the time. And with the part-time, maybe there is more opportunities for this that it doesn't, you don't need to have a first paper published in one year or two years even. So this is a, in that sense, it's a very good process allowing you more time to do this. And so you already started a bit mentioning these novice runners. In the first part of our conversation, we talked about your own running experiences. You've done loads of long distance events. And you mentioned that maybe the stories of runners, experienced runners, maybe they are not the best kind of inspiration for novice runners. And I agree that we have a lot of stories out there about these extreme feats, which is quite different from somebody who just wants to start running like one kilometer or one mile at the time. So these extreme feats might not be really inspirational because they are too far from the reality for the new runners. So shall we maybe explore a little bit the life world of the of the novice runner, the new runner, as it comes across in the stories that you look at in the forum? What are kind of the key experiences there to to understand? Yeah, so <clears throat> I think I was really interested in in the stories of new runners because it's so different from my own current experiences. Um, and I've I've had time off running, but <clears throat> sorry, I've had time off running um, because of pregnancy and injury and things. But I've always known how to run. I've always lived in a body that knows how to run. So even after a long, you know, a couple of months off with with injury or or pregnancy or something, um, I've known. I've had that bodily awareness of what it is to run and what it is to be a runner. And so it's been. I know my journey that I've gone on to go back to being the, the level of runner I'm, I'm used to being and that I've been for the last, I don't know, 20 years or something. Um, so for me, it was a really interesting way of looking at runners, but those going through a completely different experience to, to an experience that I'm, I'm familiar with. Um, and almost to understand, it helps me understand my own running in a way to look at, at this sort of transformative experience from people who are going to not running from not running at all to becoming identifying themselves as runners so um I think a lot of a lot of these new runners haven't run perhaps for 20 30 years since school um a lot of them talk about that about how they were they were put off running at school they never thought they could run they were always told they, they'd never be able to run and suddenly they're they've decided for whatever reason I mean, there are multiple reasons which I'll, I'll look at a bit further in a minute but um most of them have a quite a major reason for starting running um and suddenly they find themselves within this um couch to 5k program so it's a nine-week program um three runs a week so it's very structured they listen to a podcast as, as they go um and they if they stick with it they just find themselves at various points along this journey and eventually they get to week nine and the final run of week nine and they get this badge that says that they're now a runner and that's it's a really interesting journey it's really interesting to see how their stories evolve along the way um so yeah reasons for starting is one of the things so I've I've been for the past about a month been spending about an hour a day just immersed in in the online forums um I'm using a, a netnographic approach so it's um observational only at the moment these are publicly accessible forums so they're all googleable um everything's available publicly so 
um, I'm I'm basically lurking <laughs> on the forums and observing uh, the runners' stories as they evolve, the interactions between the different runners, um, and the things, and and just keeping field like a um, a field notes of, of everything that emerges from those conversations and posts. Um, so yeah, reasons for starting a lot of them start because of a health scare themselves or somebody else um, and perhaps a doctor's told them they need to start doing some exercise or they've seen a particularly upsetting photo of themselves and they think I really need to do something about this and get into shape so um, a lot of them talk about their reasons for starting and there's there's quite a lot of almost even bereavement that kind of thing that, that gets people running um, and yeah and then they their, their stories sort of evolve from there and with each post they describe their run, they describe how it was to get out in the first place, as all the struggles of of getting through the door in the first place, and then the experience of the run is described um, and how they feel afterwards. And then from that first post each time, the, the conversation kind of unfolds with the other runners. Um, so, yeah, it's a really nice supportive environment that these runners' stories are, are emerging within as well. Yeah, and... Phenomenology has been a key approach that you've been drawing, and there is a big focus on this embodiment. And so, how are the runners then? It's interesting to be studying something in a online forum when you kind of, yeah, are these disembodied then? But anyway, you only have the texts, and so, but behind these texts are these embodied experiences and. Novice running body is quite different from what you said that you have yourself inhabited a running body for the last 20 years. So how are they describing their bodily experiences and the way they relate to their bodies? Yeah, I think this is one of the really interesting things because having to describe an embodied experience online, uh, which is a sort of a disembodied <laughs> way of, of being, um, means that they really need to to describe their bodies. It's it's almost as if, if I'd gone along to a beginner running club, that need to describe the body and and how the body was feeling wouldn't be so so necessary because it would be obvious it would be there. You know, they'd be sweating, they'd be red, they'd, but instead they have to describe all these things. Um, so that's really interesting. It's almost like that disembodied version of themselves it's having to bring forth the body so that they can share that with other people um and i think one one of the things that got me interested in embodiment and phenomenology was um meredith griffin's paper i think it was griffin and cassie phoenix um and meredith went along and and did a an in-person ethnographic study with beginner runners and i found that really fascinating but she was also a beginner runner herself so when I came to think that that would be a you know really nice way to study beginner runners, I didn't want to put myself in with them because I would necessarily change the dynamic so much as somebody who'd run for so long. I was worried that that perhaps people wouldn't feel comfortable sharing things about their own bodies with me as an experienced runner. So for me to be able to to observe these conversations happening in this supportive environment in which new runners feel like they're sharing their journeys with other people who are on the same journey and about the same place as they are is it's it helps me be able to understand and see those stories in a way I don't think I would be able to if it was an in-person um ethnography so I think for me although there are obviously upsides and downsides of both I think for me studying this 
specific population it's a it's a really good way to to go about that and so yeah when you talked about the reasons why these new runners start and as they describe them in on the forum you mentioned that the health reasons might be big and maybe it was a healthcare provi- provider that was then suggesting maybe doing this couch to 5k and then other kind of triggers or turning points grief and these kind of things and so if you look at then these stories start to evolve and maybe for some of them it was the health reasons for trigger to start doing it but do you see that the meaning of running and the relationship with running somehow starts to evolve and shift as um, at least some of these runners kind of continue on the, on this journey and and start to develop runner identities yeah very much so um i mean the early the early days and weeks of of the catch the 5k program there's a lot of talk about overcoming the body so the body is not yet a running body the mind wants to get to the end of this nine weeks and have have achieved this the, the catch the 5k program the the, the badge of being a runner um but to begin with the body is um, almost an obstacle to overcome to get to that goal um, so there's a lot of talk of pain and discomfort and there's almost dragging the body around these <laughs> these timed timed running sessions three times a week um but that really does change later on and and particularly when the runners um, complete their couch to 5k program and and the the, the weeks following that it's almost like they know their bodies are capable of running 5k, but because they're no longer listening to the the app that's telling them what to do, it then becomes the mind that that, that they need to to overcome. So their mind's saying you no longer need to run for half an hour, so maybe run for 20 minutes and then and then call it a day. And there, so it's this interesting. Once the bodies they, they perceive their body as more of a running body, um, it's then it's then their mind that they have to overcome. So there's this really interesting. Yeah, switch from being a <laughs> being a new runner that wants to run and and wants to want like that the transformation of of the body to to becoming more of a running body um and that an interesting contrast between the earlier stages and the later stages I think it's really interesting what you say about this transition that once you end up at the finishing the program and now you get the badge of completing it then there isn't like a clear point in terms of why is it worthwhile to continue and then it's not necessary to run anymore so i guess it then they are developing a running body but it still takes them some time in terms of running really becoming a part of their daily life and and integrated into their sense of who they are yeah i think so and 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 you mentioned meaning and i think over those early weeks meaning is very much it's it's about achieving each run so the meaning comes from almost conquering that the difficulties of getting out on the run doing the run and coming back and then that that's when the meaning happens a bit more um and the meaning is in achieving the nine weeks and and also within interacting on the forum that that seems to be a meaningful aspect for for these runners and I suppose otherwise they wouldn't keep coming back and and posting within the forums it's obviously something that does provide a really meaningful and important level of support for for the new runners that use this forum whereas if I look at my own running and the meaning that I derive from my running it's definitely on the run meaning like it's I 
I run to sort of feel more like myself and and to have time out from my busy life and 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 to keep my body in in the shape I want it to be you know to keep fit and things so I think I definitely derive the, the meaning from being on the run whereas it doesn't seem at this early stage that these runners are doing so yet so but it's interesting I, I want to follow some of them who continue running because you can continue posting on on forums right up to kind of marathon and beyond so it'll be really interesting to see how that how that changes and once once and I mean certainly they, they talk about their bodies a lot less as they as the body becomes less of of an obstacle the body seems to retreat into the background so certainly if I'm running I know I don't really notice my body until something hurts like if my shoe is too tight I then I'm aware of it but until that point it's a good run is one where I don't really notice my body <laughs> so um, and that certainly happens to them they, they seem to stop talking about their bodies a little bit as as they get further on um, and it will be really interesting to look at um, those who do continue posting for, for longer in their journeys to see how how that changes as well and and seeing them also turning to becoming going from being a real beginner and asking asking for advice to being the ones who give out advice how that how that changes as well so I think that the online ethnographic approach for this is is really bringing out the the interactions between like the the culture within the running culture within the the forums as well you know these people aren't just learning to run physically they're learning to be runners and the words to use and and what's acceptable and what's unacceptable within the running culture so it's really learning all those things about running not just just how to have a body that runs so yeah, that's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, the culture is really important aspect of it. Yeah, how different experiences are framed and what are the subculture norms and rules and so forth. Yeah. I'm curious also in terms of, we talked about the little discontinuity in terms of finishing the program, but so one day doing it, it's a very structured program. So you're using like audio that tells you that now you should run this much and that much and now you have completed the run and then thinking of my own running as well at the moment is completely the opposite that yeah at the moment I don't even have a watch so I just run as long as I feel and then I go home pretty much and so how does this having this clear structure then how does it shape these runners uh, relationship with the practice and what they consider as as a good run or a bad run and kind of shaping what they decide to do or not do? This is, um, I think, an interesting question. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's interesting it being so structured and you have, so you have three goals each week. So those goals provide regular opportunities to succeed. So you meet your goals and, and you're happy about it. But similarly, they, they provide regular opportunities to fail. Um, and if you search for failure and disappointment on um, search the, the beginner forums, those that word is used so much. There's so much failure. There's so much disappointment. And I think that's something that comes out of these regular opportunities to do so. You know, if they if they were perhaps not following this program, and they just ran for as much as they felt like running each day or every other day, then every run would be a win, wouldn't it? Really, <laughs> rather mm-hmm. than yeah. rather than um, th- this idea of not quite living up to to what you're supposed to be doing so that's really interesting really interesting in terms of goal setting and and things so it it's obviously um 
it's obviously very effective and um and many of them keep coming back to the couch to 5k program every time they want to take up running again like it does seem to be a an effective way back into running but at the same time yeah there's there is this definite aspect of of failing and and also when you fall off the end you're then used to this very structured program and there is i've i've found a couple of references to i think there's a nike app that that takes people beyond 5k but they don't seem to like that as much so it's it's also it's not just that there isn't anything it's that the things there are are different so you get used to one thing and then it's it's a change as well so so there doesn't seem to be it's almost like the couch to 5k app should should have a, have a continuation or something I don't, but then some people may not also want to run more than 5k um yeah and there's mm-hmm. no reason why you know if if you just run for half an hour three times a week then that's really good for you so <laughs> um yeah it's interesting um and perhaps some of them do that and that's certainly one of the limitations of this kind of study is i'm not really able to pick up those people who finish the program and then just carry on running 5k three times a week because if they don't if they don't keep posting that i don't really know how many people would just do that so <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah so the bias is more that you will see the ones who come back and who will write in the forum that maybe it's their third time or something like this yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah so you don't see the pathways that move beyond this but so this would be a sort of boundary finishing it and then figuring out how how are you going to run you somehow need to shape your practice either to take it up in a more independent less structured way or then you need to jump into a different type of structure which is also then a little change in terms of your practice and perhaps your mindset so yeah that's right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and so maybe just a few words in terms of what uh we mentioned phenomenology and so you've explored phenomenological writings and found some guidance in terms of concepts and methodology and so forth and some other influences as well so I think the listeners will be just interested in hearing what are your thoughts in terms of what would be useful and interesting parts of phenomenological and other thinking for you to kind of make sense of this phenomenon? Yeah certainly I think phenomenology has been something that's interested me for quite a long time sort of aside from from research and things so when I started looking at runners' experiences, I started thinking, you know, could I use phenomenology to help understand what's underlying these experiences a bit? And I struggled for a while to work out how to apply phenomenology to this data that I was getting from the forums. And then I came across a paper by Suzanne Raven where she talks about integrating qualitative research methodologies and philosophical phenomenology while staying true to both paradigms. So integrating the two in a in like a two-tier process so using the qualitative research methodology in this case um, online ethnography to collect rich data rich experiential data to find out the what of what's going on with these people's lived experiences and then as a second tier in the process using phenomenology to kind of analyze and and illuminate the underlying structures that are making those experiences possible so there's quite a lot of discussion in the forums, just as an example of where women have been out running and they've described the experience of running past, that they're having a great run, feeling great, described the experience of running past a group of men. And perhaps there's been a comment or laughter or even just just a feeling of being observed, you know, being observed 
especially as a new runner. So they've described this this discomfort or anxiety around running past a group of men. Um, so using phenomenology, using the idea of intersubjectivity to look at how the, the concept of, of intersubjectivity makes that experience possible. So if she was out running on her own in the middle of nowhere, there was no intersubjectivity, that experience wouldn't be possible. Whereas um, having other people within your life world, within the environment you're, you're running within, yet makes that experience possible. So I think looking at, at those phenomenological ideas to, to illuminate exactly what's, what's underlying the, the lived experiences that are being described. So, um, yeah, I think drawing on Merleau-Ponty's work on embodiment and, um, and then right through to the more recent work on 4E cognition and, and things. And, yeah, I've been finding that really fascinating and helping to, to kind of understand the essences and structures that are underlying these, these experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's it's fascinating and something we didn't touch upon yet is also the gendered element that if I understand correctly and so maybe not everybody's talking about their gender, but most people who do the, this program are women, right? That's right, yeah. And, yeah. and that's that's been a really interesting... I mean, it's not all women, but it may be that in the end, like, I definitely want to look at individuals who haven't run for a long time because I think that's really important almost starting from scratch with running to really understand the process of becoming and being a runner and also to shine a light on more experienced runners and on sedentary people you know that it's it's like that process of change between the two states in a way helps to understand both both states as well so but yeah but the the, the gendered aspect of it it really does come through it's something that a lot of the posters talk about and it's very visible in the media, isn't it? So, so women, even women who haven't yet experienced that, know that it's a possibility that that it might happen, and and those of us who run regularly know it does happen and things. So, yeah, I think that's something I'll definitely um, that is emerging from from my observation of the forums, and this is something that will become kind of a theme that I will pick up on more. Yeah, and from our other conversations, I also know that you have been looking at the concept of affordances. And so yeah. maybe just a few words about how this might be also an important way of thinking about these new runners. Yeah, and that, that certainly ties on really nicely with um, for recognition as well. So um, the idea that as embodied beings within an environment, what we perceive as being available to us in, in that environment changes depending on who we are, what stage of our life we are, whether we're injured or not, we bring we bring our our cultural and all our history to it so so two people standing within the same environment will perceive different availabilities within that environment being being available to them so i think yeah james james gibson's theory of affordances ties in really well and perhaps helps helps to understand the psychology of what's going on as well a, a bit more yeah so i think that ties in well and also how the forum participants affordances change during their journey so um, to begin with, they might see a, a 5k run as being being a very long way and a hill as being a huge obstacle in the way. Um, but by by the end of their, their nine weeks, what they see as available to them has changed completely, even in their local environment. So they might see running 10k as being 
being available to them or, you know, several times up and down the hill as being available. So I think that's really interesting as the body changes, the your perception of what's available to you within any given environment changes as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very funny to think about that, that, for example, taking the train somewhere and if I'm looking out of the window, I'm, it often comes to, oh, that looks like a very nice place to go running or, you know, there's a nice hill that would be nice to go and hike there or even this good hill, you can do some hill sprints or whatever. And so runners perceive uh, these things that might be obstacles as opportunities for some good running. So it's just yep. kind of, yeah, I've yeah. had many funny conversations about it, how differently we see these things based on our identities and our projects. So that's really... Yeah, and yeah. I think running's particularly interesting for that because we have evolved to run over over the the landscapes around us. We've evolved alongside those landscapes and we have also shaped those landscapes by running on them. So even for those who currently don't see, say, running along a, a trail as as a possibility for them. They know that it will be. They know for, for most of us, it's something that we should be able to. It's not like playing tennis or riding a bike or that it's a skill that we need to learn that we, you know, kids run naturally when they're little. So it is something that we're born able to do. And this, these landscapes have shaped our bodies as we've evolved and we've shaped those landscapes. And there's kind of that co-evolution, which is really nice. So mm-hmm. um, so these beginner runners know that that it's something that they their bodies should be able to do just with a bit of time and, and patience and practice. And I think that's really interesting as well. That And then alongside that, the mind evolves in its in its perception of what's available as well. So, yeah, that, that kind of emerging of, of the runner is, <laughs> is nice too. Yeah. Thanks for the conversation so far. I think as my last question, uh, what are the next things that you are looking into doing? in your project and thinking forward kind of what what are the first uh, for your first study and what you're now working on what are kind of the key key questions that you look forward to exploring now in the next months and, and next year yep so I think um, initially I'll be doing another couple of months of um, of the online ethnographic study and continuing to observe and and um, hopefully bring a bit more structure to to my notes and what I'm finding on that um, I've certainly got a lot of reading with phenomenology to do so um, I really want to, to explore both both sides a lot more phenomenology and to learn ethnography much more as well I think it was something we were talking about in a recent meeting that, that as a new PhD student you never feel ready to start your first data collection um, so I think having started it just slightly before I feel ready to is a good thing actually because just getting in there and and especially with this kind of data collection where I'm only observing it's shaping what I'm then going away and reading so um so that's that's a really good process and I think we're hoping to have the first study done a year from now so so that's quite a nice goal to aim for as well Uh, with studies one and two I want to look at both common experiences across different runners and the shape of individual runners experiences across time as well so um yeah we're still trying to decide which which one goes first and second I think but it will um yeah sort of a case study type design where we where I look at individual runners over time but also what's common to multiple runners at certain time points in in learning to run so I think that yeah that's next steps at the moment 
yeah, and I look forward to seeing what comes out. And it's it's such a fascinating project. So thank you, Jen. It's been a lovely, lovely conversation. We'll certainly uh, keep in touch and work together. And sometime in the future, we'll do another one when another episode when we have a bit of findings to discuss as well. So. Thank you, Nora. That'd be great. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.